All of us have excuses if we could really be honest. Why we can't, why we don't, why we won't ever share our faith. We shoulda, coulda, woulda our lives away. People have told me for decades, well, pastor, it's not my calling. It's not my gift. I've tried and failed, so I'm not doing it again. Nobody that I know really wants to hear about Jesus. I, I don't know any lost people. Or the number one excuse I've been given for 40 years is I'm just afraid. So how about it? What's your excuse for not sharing the real love of Jesus with everybody and anybody within your sphere of influence? Welcome, Faith Promise. All of our campuses and online, we're thrilled. We love you this weekend. It's so great to see you. Every weekend, more and more promisers are coming back to in-person. So we love you guys regardless of when or where you're listening to this message. This weekend, by the way, Blunt County is celebrating their 10th birthday anniversary. Give it up for our Blunt County campus. We love you guys. And Pastor uh, Jason and Leah, you guys do an incredible job. 10 years serving that community, reaching people far from God. Man, we're so proud. The real love movement of Faith Promise keeps going regardless of what's going on around us, even in a year like 2020. And for most people, they would say, this is the worst year that I can remember. It is COVID, it is fear, it is racial tension and division. And on top of that, it's, a, it's an election year. That makes it horrible to begin with. Are y'all with me? Listen, let me encourage you, be careful on your Facebook, on your social media. Man, Jesus died for Democrats and Jesus died for Republicans. Don't hate on one side or the other. Don't anchor your hope. Come on, everybody. Man. Je I, mean, I mean, Jesus doesn't run a donkey on an elephant anymore. He rides on the winds of on the wings of the wind. Don't be caught up in that division and hatred. You just stop the gospel. Come on. Man, so but in a year like this year, people are desperate for vision, for purpose. And really, more than ever, they're desperate for hope because so many people have lost it. The Bible tells us from ages long ago, where there is no vision, the people perish. Or a better, a better translation of that last word is that people are unrestrained, like hamsters on a wheel, like rats in a race, running, 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 lots of activity, but very little accomplishment. And where there is no vision, no target, no direction, People are just willy-nilly. And so many people really are looking for a vision. But because I'm lacking vision, my purpose begins to elude me. And we think God has put our vision like a scavenger hunt, following clues to try to figure out what God wants of me. And so, and God, God's not like that. Some of you this weekend, you're still kicking the tires of Christianity. You're not sure about God or the church or this faith thing. Man, we're thrilled you're here. We're ecstatic. Man, we're a great bunch of people. Aren't we promisers? Come on, man, hang out with us. And man, we're, we'll love on you. You can belong before you believe. And maybe even this weekend, you'll begin to see where those of us that have hope, where our hope is anchored. If you're a Christ follower, God made your purpose and your calling and your mission crystal clear. Jesus came, he dies on a cross, he raises up on the third day, Easter Sunday morning. By the way, before the cross, he was making appointments for Easter Sunday. You know that, don't you? He told the disciples, hey, 
wait a minute, I'm gonna come out of the grave, meet me in Galilee, I got a message for you. They didn't believe that, so Mary and the other Mary, a Sunday morning, they're taking anointing oil to anoint the body. They should have brought biscuits <laughs> because he said, I'm not gonna be dead anymore. They didn't believe that. And so go tell, my, go tell my homies, meet me in Galilee. Just like I said, go to Galilee. Jesus expo- meets over 500 people, talks, spends all this time. And then in Matthew 28, he is getting ready to put it in B for a boogie and go back to heaven. And so he gives us the last great command or what we know as the great commission. And Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, the ethnicities, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Let me tell you what this is. This is orders from headquarters. Are you with me? Any Christ followers in the house? Come on, any of our campuses. All right. Thank you. Yes, amen, Lord. Then we have a command. We have orders from headquarters, and that is to go make disciples that will make disciples. It is what the apostles and the early disciples, the Christ followers did, and in 40 years, they impacted the known world. So let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, do you believe Jesus really meant the Great Commission? All right, three of you. Do you believe Jesus really meant the Great Commission? Let me get more pointed and personal. Do you believe the Great Commission is for you? Okay, we're not that as excited. Is it for you? Come on. Then in this month, month, we're going to climb to the top of Mount Perspective where Jesus gives this commission to his followers, and we are going to get a new purpose and a new reality and a new mission that we are his witnesses. That's what we are. From Adam to Abraham, from the prophets to the people of Israel, from the apostles to the current day, all of us, we are blessed to be a blessing and we are saved to keep seeking after that which is lost. Would y'all agree with that? Now, if you're old school, you've been around for a long time, this is what we're gonna call an old school sermon. And so if you're new, some of this is gonna be relatively new. So here's the deal, whether it's new or old school for you, if you really understand the mission God has for us, it will give you incredible purpose and passion for your life. People tell me all the time, hey, pastor, the Christian life is boring. And I just say, you've never lived it. If you've never told a person, a person that's far from God about how to be saved, you hadn't lived it. If you've not got filled with a burden in the power of God, you never lived it. And so, Ethan Hunt, this is your mission should you choose to accept it. But if you are caught or killed, God will not disavow you, for I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I don't know about you, but I want to go all in for some people meeting Jesus. Now, let's let's talk about this, because if you're old school, you know what you're supposed to do, but most of us don't do it. So let me give you a little flip side, action. The Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. Is that right? That's what it says, he that wins souls is wise. What we think is that wise people win souls. It's not what it means at all. What it means is if you'll be a soul winner, you'll become wise. Why? Because the more people that you talk to that are far from God, about God, they're gonna have questions. And they're gonna start asking you questions about God. A, do not email me and ask me the questions. 
You'll not get wise that way. You get wise finding the answers for yourselves. Are you with me? People do it all the time. Hey, pastor, hey, pastor, what about this? And I'm talking about, I'm going to quit answering them. I'm going to put a meme. It's going to have a mouth with a tongue wagging out there. <laughs> no. Because this is what happens. You're talking to people about God. That, hey, did Adam have a belly button? Or can God make a rock so big you can't lift it? <coughs> and what happens is you begin to dig in and dig in answer questions slowly and surely you'll become wise. Now, there are very few questions that lost people can ask me that I don't know the answers to. Well, yeah, that's because you went to seminary. You know, they didn't teach us anything in seminary. We got to memorize a list of stuff. But what I did is talking to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people far from God asking me questions and I went and got the answers. In doing that, I learned. So if you want to, if you want to, you know, uh, man, get, if you want to achieve your full potential, you can't do it without being a soul winner because there's wisdom you'll not gain without talking to people. Does that make sense? So when you say, okay, that's my purpose, given to be my, the king of heaven, then now I've got a purpose and two things that purpose will do. First, that, first you will work on that purpose and then that purpose will work on you. You decide I'm gonna do it, I commit to do it, I'm learning how to do it, we're gonna help you do it. Then you begin to do it, then it begins to work on you. Determining your life's mission and passion, what it will do is it will change your attitude every day as you live. Now, would you agree the Apostle Paul had a pretty difficult life? Years and years in prison, beaten publicly with rods. I mean, stoned, not recreationally. He, man, he got bit by snakes. He, got, he was cold. He was shipwrecked. He was all this stuff. Are you with me? And yet Paul said, if this week in our Bible reading plan in the book of Philippians, I've learned the secret of being content. Let me tell you part of his secret. Paul never refused to surrender his cause. Look up here, look up here. Listen, believers come with us. For believers, you have a cause to be a soul winner. But because you haven't accepted that as your cause, you are under control of your circumstances. And so we're having a terrible year. Why? Because our circumstances tell us it's a terrible year. In fact, it's a great year. Well, no, it's horrible. Okay, you're under your circumstances. But when you have a, when you have a cause that's greater than your circumstances, that's going to drive you, Paul said, I've learned the secret to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. The world's never been this bad. It's horrible. You are smoking crack. When Paul was alive, the emperor's name was Nero. Nero rode around on his chariot naked with little naked boys that he sexually abused. He fed Christians to the animals, burned Rome down, and blamed us. There was no recourse or recall. You don't have any, listen, America, it's a gravy train compared to where most places are. So quit whining about the circumstances and get into the cause. Come on, we're a bunch of spoiled, rotten brats that sit around and talk about a terrible we have it. You've not studied history. It's never been this good. There's never been more food or more houses or more middle class. Yeah, but they said something bad about me on social media. <laughs> Grow up. 
And if you have a cause that you're a soul winner and you wake up every day and you get filled up with God and you look for opportunities every day and God opens the door and you walk through, your life will be electric and ecstatic. The reason, come on, the reason it's boring is because you wake up thinking about you and you go to work thinking about you and you look at your circumstances thinking about you And you look in the mirror and you think about you and you take a selfie and you think about you. I love watching people use filters to make their selfies look better. How narcissistic can we? (laughs) Help us. Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus said, wait a minute, my face is not, my nose is not that big. I got to. That's our big problem. My selfie's not right. How many likes did I get? Come on, guys. We have a cause. And when you elevate to the cause, you wake up every day as a missionary. You don't have a job. You have a mission field. Instead of worrying about, well, my boss wasn't nice to me today, you're looking for opportunities because I'm a child of God and I'm looking today for an opportunity to serve my God. I talk about what I think about. I think about what I love. I love Jesus. So I'm thinking about him. I'm thinking about him. I'm talking about him. I'm looking for opportunities every day. I'm excited. It doesn't matter who wins on Saturday. It doesn't matter who wins on Sunday. Jesus is winning 724. So come on, somebody. Paul did not let his circumstance rule his life because he had a cause that was greater. And this church faith promise was founded by Jesus and some founders. And it was, it was founded to reach people far from God 25 and a half years ago. Would y'all agree with that? Can y'all believe the 25th anniversary was this year? That seems like forever ago. Forever ago. It was eight months. Actually, seven months. Crazy. Crazy. So we believe the church was founded by Jesus and the founders reached people far from God. Do you believe that's still the will of God for you in faith promise? All right, eight of you. Do you believe it's still the will of God for you and for faith promise to reach people far from God? Listen, I know it is by King Jesus because he said, therefore you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you might be my witnesses. Is that what he said? You, you, you could be my witnesses. No, no, he said you shall be my what? It's not your might. See, the problem, it's not that you are or, or not a witness. You are a witness. Some of us are good witnesses and some of us are bad witnesses. Because a bad witness is one that gets on the stand and doesn't say anything. Your life is a stand. You're a full, you're, you're a window reflecting the glory of God out of. Come on. So in the midst of that, I want to give you a little history today because we're going to talk about this Matthew 28 in this series called No Excuses. And if, I promise you, don't miss a message and God's going to transform all of us. But first off, let me tell you that, that as I have reflected now for about three or four years on something significant in the life of this church, I've realized that I have blown it as the pastor. I've asked the Lord to forgive me. I need you to forgive me. Let me tell you what, how I got where I am. I shifted to the wrong scoreboard. Now, nobody would watch a high school football game if there wasn't a scoreboard. Are you with me? The reason people don't watch Little League soccer is because they don't keep score. Are you with me? Come on. 
And so even Michael, when he was four, he wanted to know, did we win? Because he, he wanted to know. And so nobody would have watched the UT game if you didn't have a scoreboard running all the time, what down, how many downs left, how much time left, and who is winning. So what I did is I chose the wrong scoreboard. Because I was taught early in ministry and, and seminary and going through, through the doctoral program and trying to get more and all the stuff, I was taught that packing people in pews was winning. So the more services, the more people, the more we were winning. And if that is Jesus' scoreboard, then we are national champions. In January and February of this year, we were listed as the 27th fastest growing church in the United States of America. We were listed as the 49th largest church in the nation. Okay, but listen, wait, 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 before, before you do, wait, wait, wait. The question is, is that growing the kingdom? Or is it just shifting sheep from one pen to the other? We got better music. We got a better kids program. Our preacher's better than your preacher. You really should come over here. Now listen to me. Look up here. That is a net null in advancing the kingdom. Now, if you have a retirement account, let me ask you a question. Do you want a net null on your investment or do you want a return on your investment? Which one do you want? Matter of fact, the greater the return, the better you like it. And Jesus, who gave the greatest investment of his body and blood on the cross, do you think he expects a return on his investment? He does. And it's souls. It is, it is, it's souls. That's, that's, what he's, that's what he's looking for. So, man, I was, I was, the, I was in the wrong scoreboard. So G, the scoreboard that mattered, I, listen, it's been at least four years I've been struggling through this. If you read my journal, you would see it. In Matthew 28, Jesus gives us his scoreboard. His is the only scoreboard that counts, by the way. Are you with me? Nobody else's matters other than Jesus. And he said, my scoreboard is to go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them, that means make a disciple. You gotta win them first. Then you baptize them, and then you teach them to observe what he's commanded, what he just commanded to go and make disciples. So it is a circular multiplying movement of I win you, I teach you to win your family and friends, and it moves into multiplication. The problem is this is what we do in the American church in the 21st century. We get, somebody comes and gets saved, and we say, leave all your family and friends. They're heathers, they're going to hell. They'll ruin you. And they don't win the people they knew. We drag them away. Does this make sense? Are you with me? And we don't win our family and friends. When I first got saved, I was so fired up to share my faith. I kept with me my sword. And then I had a pocket knife, a New Testament Bible that I kept marked up. Man, I won my family. I won friends. I won students at University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Man, I was winning people. I was on fire. If you came around me, you're gonna hear about Jesus, whether you liked it or not, because I wanted to talk about it. Right now, if you're a Vol fan, you can't help but talk about the season. Are you with me? And so you talk about what you think about. Think about what you love. I was telling everybody, and then something slowly and imperceptibly happened. Guess what? I looked around, and I no longer knew anybody lost. All my friends were at church. I didn't know anybody. 
And so losing my burden for souls was a proximity problem because I wasn't around people far from God anymore. See, Jesus said, come and learn of me. Take my yoke. This is a yoke. It's two or 300 years old. It came from Central America. A dear missionary friend of mine gave it to me. Jesus said, listen, get yoked with me. So you got two yokes. You got an oxen here and an oxen here. We're yoked with Jesus. He said, take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are gonna take the burden of Jesus on you, which you were called to do, it demands a proximity to people far from God. Because you may be uncomfortable about lost people, but Jesus wasn't. He was great with people far from God. He didn't think he had to correct everybody. He was loving everybody. He was bringing the good news. Are y'all with me? So for, for a long time now, I thought, faith promise is winning. We're packing the pews. Whoa, wait a minute. Are people actually getting saved? God, are we just really busy and making no forward momentum? May it never be. Are you winning your neighbors and friends and family and coworkers and classmates and teammates? See, we've got we've to get the burden back. So this is why I'm going to give you some history. In the 70s, the messiologists and the church leaders, those people that study things, they did surveys in America and found that virtually all Americans would go to church if somebody would just invite them. Just invite them, they would come. And so churches designed what was called seeker-friendly, which we should be seeker-friendly. And so people came and they built these incredible ministries and the pastor said, bring us all your lost family and friends, just invite them and we'll win them. And they did and they did. And millions of people were saved and the mega church movement began. There are more mega churches in Knoxville, Tennessee than were in America in the 60s. There just wasn't large churches. What happened, we hit the right harvest the right way and man, we started winning people. But guess what happened now of the most recent survey, 60% of America is no longer open to an invitation, six out of 10 people. And when COVID is over, the numbers will be worse. So now at least seven out of 10 Americans are never coming to church. Listen, what part of never coming to church do we miss? And in our common see and hear mentality, that means 70% of the people you know are gonna die without Jesus because they are never coming to church. That's the milieu that we live in. Very few people wanna hear about your church. They don't wanna hear about your preacher or your ministries. They do really desperately wanna know God. They just don't know how to know God. We know how to help them know God, but we're not telling them about God, we're telling them about church. Does this make sense? So we gotta go out and tell people about God. And something else happened in this, in this last 50 years of, of change. In the, in the culture of bring your lost friends, we lost the personal responsibility of soul winning and being yoked with Jesus. The burden is not mine to carry, it's Chris's to carry, it's the staff's to carry. Listen, a culture of invitation no longer works in a post-Christian America. Do we care about people far from God? This church was birthed and we changed styles. No church around Knoxville was anywhere near doing what we were doing, but we did it because we wanted to win people. 
and we won people. My question is, will you change your lifestyle to win people? That's the question. Now, I want you to think with me. Are you thinking? Come on, are you thinking? I said, again, I've been, man, I've been mulling on this now for a while. So, man, now you don't have to be in business. You don't have an MBA to answer this question. So you're on the board of Amazon or Apple. You're in the year end review. You're in a big, huge room, big old, huge mahogany table, 20 people around it. And all the teams are giving the, 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 all the surveys, the money and the profits and the marketing team comes in and they say, listen, CEO, Mr. President, we've got some really bad news. We've done some intensive market research and we found now that 60% plus going to 70% Americans will never buy an iPhone again. They'll never buy another Apple product. They are no longer potential customers to Apple or Amazon worldwide. Do you think that the chairman of the board will look at the CEO and the president and say, well, who cares? Because we still have 30% of people we could sell iPhones to. Is that what they would do? Excuse me? No, they would spend millions of dollars creating focus groups and strategies to move that market share back up. Are you with me? That's what they would do. And my question is this, do companies care more about profits than we do about people? Steve Jobs cared more about putting an Apple phone, who cares in somebody's hand, than we care about taking people to heaven. Does that bother you? That just sort of, it just bothers me. We who know there's a heaven and a hell should be more passionate about people than Steve Jobs or Apple or Google or Amazon or anybody or Bezos or any of them. See, God said, it's not my will that any should perish, but I'll come to repentance. He said in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that I gave my only begotten son. In Romans 5, 8, I demonstrated my love toward you. And while you were a sinner, I sent Jesus to die for you. I believe faith promise can decimate hell and populate heaven if we'll get the yoke of the burden back and take on the responsibility of my friends and family and coworkers and neighbors. If you will take that burden back on you, I believe we can make an impact forever because we got to win the loss at any cost. Are y'all with me? You look shell-shocked. Are you guys okay? I tell you this sort of old-timey sermon. Some old people are saying, thank God, some man, man, come on, get it. Young people are saying, what is he doing up there? We got to make disciples and make disciples and make disciples. You talk about living an eternal difference. You talk about the greatest burden ever. You talk about the great adventure. You want to talk about a life that's anything but boring. You get up, you, you walk by faith, you get filled with the Spirit's power, you get emboldened with the burden of God, and you spend your day at work looking, listening, your ear to the ground, in tune to the Spirit, seeing who God's moving, all that kind of stuff. Come on, my mercy. How many people are you going to take to heaven? See, Seeker Friendly was great. I, I, I always think it's crazy when I'm on preachers and they hammer seeker friendly. So you want people to not be welcome at your church? Mean people? Is that what you, are you crazy? But here's the, here's the deal with the seeker sensitive. We made them feel comfortable in our world, but we never got comfortable in theirs. We gotta go out there and build relationships with people if we're gonna win them. My soul, I'm out of time. I don't know where it went, but let me tell you a second mistake we made. It's gonna hurt some of your feelings. And you know me, I'm touchy-feely, man. I hate to hurt anybody's feelings. 
<laughs> if you're laughing, you've been here for a while. If you're not, you're thinking, oh, wow, am I lying? Uh, it's a spiritual gift. It may not be yours, but it's mine. The second big error we made in the 70s is the evangelical Christians started what was called the moral majority. And I met many of those pastors who built that movement. Let me tell you what they did. They began to put all their effort in changing the laws. They began to work with the White House and the House and the Senate to make family-friendly, life value, biblically-based all this stuff, and what we did is we put the burden on the government and took it off ourselves. And, and, and listen, I know, hey, we wanted to make laws and we want to do all this, but listen to me. If you listen to Sam, if laws would have worked, we would have never needed a New Testament. Come on. Because guess what? People are lawbreakers. Many of you have broken laws today. You got up late, you sped to get here. Now, I believe there's a papal blessing covering speeding. You know, if you'll notice, we have lots of sheriff's deputies and I keep all their names in my notes so that if I get pulled over, I start, before you get your ticket book out, do you know Chris Bryant? What about Lake, Lake Lowry? Do you know, do you know, do you know? I'm gonna keep reading it. You know that guy, do you like him? I don't know him either. Do you know this guy? Come on. What we need is a heart change. What we need is transformation. What we need is the gospel, not more laws. We need liberty. How will come on somebody? You want to talk about it, a thrilling life. You want to talk about power. Come on. Whew, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and salvation, Romans 1:16. You want power, walk the gospel. I'm praying every day for Bob. Who's Bob? It's a burden, it's an opportunity. Not B-Y-O-B, B-O-B, a burden, an opportunity, and a boldness to take that opportunity. Listen, we've got incredible cleaning fish. We got more Bible studies than Carter's got liver pills. If you're my age, you get that. If you're young, you don't know what a liver pill is. It's all right, I'm old. Turn 60 this year, I can say that now. But I look good for 60, so it's okay. So here we go. Here, let, I mean, it's... Oh. We've gotten good at cleaning fish, but we don't, but we just quit fishing. We spend all of our time in Bible studies trying to help clean each other up and lost people are dying going to hell. Come on, come on church. Let's be the church. Grab the mission, grab the purpose. We're gonna spend an entire month talking about this from Mount perspective of the Great Commission. Oh God, I pray your spirit would fall. Father God, I repent before you of getting the wrong scoreboard. We're gonna get the right one. We're gonna run the race. I pray right now for a Holy Ghost touch on every single promiser and attender. I pray not only will people be saved, but I pray the saved will get filled and we'll get burdened. And God, we will get into the harvest field. God, we don't have a, 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 a harvest problem. We got a labor problem. That's what you said, Jesus, while you were here, nothing's changed. Use us in your harvest field, real people with real problems, giving them the real gospel. So God, we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said,